Hi, I'm Michael Cashew. And I'm Adi Cashew, and you're listening to The WAG Podcast. This podcast is about health, wellness, and personal development. Each episode is a short conversation between Adi and I on a single topic with actionable steps. We cover everything from food, mindset, fitness, and relationships. We started WAG because of the way health and fitness changed our lives, so we hope to share a tool or two that helps you along your way. Hey there, and thank you for joining us. Today, we're talking about how to become a safe place for people, how to become someone that people confide in, that they feel comfortable enough sharing their insecurities with, their struggles. And the reason that we're talking about this is because this is what leads to the deepest connections that we all crave, allowing ourselves to share vulnerably and being someone that other people feel comfortable sharing with vulnerably creates those deep relationships. Mm -hmm. I've been talking a bit recently about with some friends about how we don't necessarily want our relationships to be easy. And this type of stuff is hard. And on the other side of really difficult things like this is deep trust and connection. And if it was just easy, we'd be only talking about the surface level stuff. And we wouldn't have this, you know, really meaningful bond between each other and being a safe place for somebody and sharing as well as receiving other people's challenges and vulnerabilities is really hard stuff, but it's really worth it. Like hard things are worth it. What does it look like? I think you have a story to share. What does it look like when you are a safe place for others? So I have a story. I had a friend who she had been married for around, I would say like a year, but I knew before she even got married that there was a little, there was a couple things in her relationship that just felt a little bit off. And I had definitely had, had kind of mentioned it a little bit, but never super directly. And she always just made it seem like, no, we're doing great. And would talk super highly about their relationship. And I wasn't, I wasn't going to pry. And as they got married and their relationship progressed. There was definitely more and more signs that things just weren't right. You know, that they just weren't, weren't doing well or weren't necessarily the best partner for each other. And I didn't push, but I continued to be there and continued to show up. And I think sometimes, you know, when you have that friend who's complaining about their relationship and then they just don't do anything about it, you can get to a place where you're like really frustrated and you can just be like, oh, well, if you're not going to do anything, I'm not going to be your friend anymore. And I don't, I feel like that's the opposite of being a safe place for somebody. Everyone needs their own space and time to, to go through their own life, their own way. And, um, part of being a safe place is loving people regardless and just being in acceptance with what they're going through. And she was, you know, going through her process and I just kept being there, kept listening, kept maybe asking questions here and there, maybe challenging some things here and there, but never pushing too hard. It's like a really tricky thing. Marriage is a really big deal. And I think that through time and still being there and being that safe space, uh, you know, eventually she did come to me and say, you know, things actually aren't as great as they seem. And I think I would like to move forward with getting a divorce. And I got the opportunity to be there for her. And I feel like that's just really deepened our relationship. And to, 
on, on from her side, I would imagine that there's a lot of fear. Like, I'm going to tell you that my marriage isn't working and I want to get a divorce. And what does that mean about me? I'm going to become a divorcee. What does that mean? Does that mean like, are you going to choose my husband over me? Cause I was friends with both of them or, you know, what does that mean about my future? And to be able to still just show up and be like, I love you either regardless and I'm here for you and I'm going to be here to support you. Uh, then now you have this level of trust that's deeper where it's like, okay, I can be ugly. I can be messy. I don't have to be perfect. I don't have to show up as my best self all the time in order for you to continue being my friend. And that was not only did that like give me so much joy and like love for her, but it also helped me be able to share my own vulnerabilities with her. It's like, okay, now we have this, this unspoken agreement between that we like between each other where we show up for each other. Mm -hmm. Or if I really need you, you're going to be there for me. Mm -hmm. And that's just this unspoken agreement that we have. And I think that it's really beautiful. I love that. So being a safe place is sharing your own own vulnerabilities. It's listening intently and fully. It's being curious about people and really trying to understand what they're going through. It's letting go of our judgments of others. Oftentimes they automatically pop up with us without us even choosing them. But if we're really trying to be a great friend or great partner or great family member, then our practice is to let go of those judgments and to remember that we have our shit too. Mm -hmm. It's also regulating your reaction. If someone has a tough conversation with you, there's nothing less safe than someone sharing something really hard with you and you attacking them or getting defensive or snapping at them for it. Um, that's a quick way to make things feel very not safe. And it is also allowing yourself to feel what they're feeling. True empathy is feeling some version of what the, the other person is going through. So if they're feeling sad, it's allowing yourself to really try to understand what it's like to be them. And if you're truly understanding them, it probably leads to you feeling a little sad and that is vulnerability right there. Allowing ourselves to feel these quote unquote negative emotions is vulnerable. Mm-hmm. Let's talk about what it's not. So being a safe place is not um, avoiding tough topics or conversations. So let's say that you have an annoyance with your friend. They drink too much when you go out and they kind of get a little bit mean And it's not really bad, but it's just, you know, it's kind of like a little bit annoying. And it's happened three or four times and you're not saying anything about it. And that, let's say it comes out in an ugly way where, you know, it's been building up, it's been building up. You've now painted a picture of this person and you're like, oh, they're that person. They just get sloppy when they're drunk. And now that's your friend has just become the person who gets sloppy when they're drunk, but you're not approaching it with them. And then let's say it comes out and they find out that you feel this way about them and you haven't said anything, that's another quick way to not be a safe place for somebody. Mm-hmm. Uh, I would be, I would feel a little bit embarrassed, a little bit like I lost trust in you. Like we're friends. I, th- part of that is putting, like going through the challenging and tough conversations of telling me that the, what I'm doing is not cool or mm-hmm. that I don't want, you don't want like, 
helping me be my best self. Mm -hmm. So avoiding those tough topics or conversations is not being a safe place for people. That's a, that's really interesting. I've, I've never had this thought, but sometimes being a safe person for other people actually feels like risk. It feels like, or it looks like having really hard conversations and saying things directly to people that others might not say, because we trust the people most that have our best interests at heart. And sometimes we have blind spots that we just don't see, like we're doing things or behaving in a certain way, or we believe certain things that aren't serving us, like this fictitious person that drinks too much. Mm -hmm. And the person that risks themselves to have that direct conversation with us, we just have so much more trust in. For sure. And they feel safer to us. So sometimes yeah. it just looks messy and risky. I think there's this difference between comfort, where comfort is not the same as safety. Being in comfort is not having the conversation. It's just more comfortable and it's easier to not have the conversation. But there's what you're talking about is to be the safe person, you're, there's moments where you have to put your relationship a little bit at risk, where it's like, I'm, I have to say something that could irritate this person. And mm -hmm. all of us don't want to make other people feel bad, but we're doing that. We're putting our neck on the line because we, we want to be trustworthy and we want to be that person. Yeah. And then I look at that person thinking, okay, that person feels safe to me because they're going to tell me, they're not going to let me mm -hmm. look like a fool. They care more about me long-term and uh, more about mm -hmm. me as a whole mm -hmm. than they do about my emotions around a specific topic in the moment. Mm -hmm. Or they care more about me than, you know, not having me lash out at them. Yeah. And I think what kind of goes hand in hand with this is that being a safe place is not giving unsolicited advice. It's not just going to somebody who maybe is a little bit sloppy, this fictitious person who drinks too much, going up to them and saying, hey, I, I really think that you should think about like really controlling your drinking. That is not being a safe place either. It's having some a little bit of bedside manner in terms of how you approach these conversations, which we have a whole other podcast episode on how to have challenging conversations. That's also a really good one. Um, but giving unsolicited advice is definitely not being a safe place as well as just preaching to other people. Uh, we all know the people in our lives that preach that, you know, this is the way to live. This is the right way. It, those people don't necessarily feel safe because you know where they stand. They're so clear. And it feels when you're preaching that you're inflexible. And sometimes when you need support and maybe it's in, you know, I don't have the same beliefs as you and I want to come to you with a challenging topic, but I already know that you have this stance on something. I don't want you to preach to me and try to convince me of your way. Mm -hmm. I want you to just be there for me and listen. So preaching can really give the impression of, you know, you're about to try and tell me what to do and I'm, I want to avoid that. So mm -hmm. I'm just not going to come to you. We immediately get on the defensive. Yeah, totally. So here are some ways that you can become a safer place for others. I think the most important thing is that you share vulnerably with them. Uh, one powerful story that I have that relates to this is very recently with my parents, or actually I'll back up and give some context. For years since I went to rehab, I have craved a deeper relationship with my parents. When we were, when I was in treatment, we were very close. We were doing so much therapy together. It was, there was a lot of pain and struggle, but we were very, very close. And ever since then, I've sort of had this feeling like I'm trying to get back to that place with them. 
And so I would get really curious. I would ask them a lot of questions. But what I realized recently was that I wasn't sharing my own vulnerabilities with them mm -hmm. anymore. And so probably a month ago, I called them and I shared all of that with them. And then I just told them, I really miss you guys. And the, the most frequent thing that makes me cry is feeling like I miss you. I, I feel guilty for being away and et cetera, et cetera. I shared a lot of, a lot of stuff with them about that. And within that same conversation, immediately my dad was the most vulnerable he's been with me in years. And it just reaffirmed this concept that we have to do what we're, what we're seeking from others first, mm -hmm. right? Like we have to be vulnerable first before we can expect others to feel safe mm -hmm. enough to do it with yeah. us. And you can go slowly. I wouldn't necessarily just like dive in deep and share your deepest, darkest fears and secrets, but there's something um, called oversharing. Yeah, exactly. Another way to be a safe place for people is to ask others about things deeper than surface level. I think you do an amazing job about this and it can be uncomfortable sometimes because let's say someone says, you know, I had a really amazing week at work. And then you'll ask what exactly was amazing about it. And then that might lead to something else. And then if you're listening, if you're really listening, you can find something in the share to pull out and ask a little bit more about. And when you keep asking questions to get a little bit deeper and a little bit deeper, like how did that make you feel? Or has that happened to you frequently in the past? Or just questions that lead in different directions. It gives the signals to that other person that you're actually listening and you're paying attention and you care about what they have to say instead of just thinking about what you want to say next. And that is gives this indication that if I share with you, you're going to actually hear me. Mm -hmm. And that is safety. Mm -hmm. I think what I'm doing when I, cause I'm a, an extremely curious person with mm -hmm. people. I think I'm really trying to put myself in their shoes. And when I do that, I notice all of these moments and people's stories and things where I'm like, huh, I wonder how, how would that, how did that feel when that happened? And a lot of times the, like, how did that feel? Or what was your thought process around that? Or things of that nature, they tend to lead to some really deep conversations. A lot of times they allow the other person to think about their own internal world differently than, than they ever have, which is a really good feeling. Like we, we really want people to know what's going on in our head. Mm -hmm. We think it's so special. Mm -hmm. We think it's so like what vivid and 3d and we want to share that shit. And when we ask, when someone asks us those types of questions, uh, it allows us to really bring out what's inside of us. Yeah. And then on the other side of that, I think that it's important to be safe, to allow for and honor a no. So when someone says, I don't really want to talk about that, not only should you honor that and not ask about it anymore, but you should be like, good for you for having some boundaries and not talking about something that you don't want to talk about. That takes a lot of courage to just tell somebody that you're not interested in, you know, going a little bit deeper. Maybe it's like a little too raw or they're not ready to to be that vulnerable with you. Mm -hmm. So I think that that person should be praised for their own, holding their own personal boundaries. And you are safer if you just allow for it and don't take it personally. Mm -hmm. um, just be like, cool, like, and then move on to the next topic. So both of those are kind of ways to solicit pe other people sharing with you. When 
here are a bunch of different things that you might try when someone comes to you and confides in you. Mm -hmm. Number one, something that I love is to just acknowledge the courage that it took for them to share with you. People, when they share insecurities or just their shit with you, part of them is like shaking inside thinking, when I share this, are they going to think less of me? Are they going to judge me? Are they going to hate me? Are they going to be angry at me? And when we can just acknowledge the bravery that it took to cough that up, A, it really sets them at ease and allows for a much deeper conversation in the moment. And B, it allows them to internalize, oh, I just, I actually just did something awesome. And it makes it so much more likely that they'll come to you again in the future. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yes. You also do a really good job of that. Like, thank you for sharing. I always feel a little awkward doing it, but I need more practice. (laughs) I also think when someone shares something with you, it's kind of goes along with the whole listening thing. We we were just talking about where if you listen really intently, you can spot questions that you can ask to get things to go a little bit deeper. Um, If you also take the opportunity to reflect back what you think that you heard this person say, it forces you to listen more. And it also gives this opportunity where if I reflect back to you what you've said and I'm accurate, you feel more seen and heard. It's like, yes, that's exactly what I'm feeling. And hearing your own feelings reflected back to you by somebody else, it just makes you feel more connected to them. Mm -hmm. It's like, okay, they get it. They heard me. Um, And if you're not accurate, it gives that person actually an opportunity to correct you. And then it could avoid any misunderstandings or, you know, lead to deeper conversation. So I love listening to people and then uh, saying something along the lines of, let me hear if I've heard you. So what you're saying is, you felt X, Y, Z and just like literally reflecting exactly back what they've said to you. Which is so different than how we usually do conversation, which is like a D's talking and while she's talking, I'm thinking about my Mm -hmm. response or if she's sharing something vulnerable, I'm probably thinking of like advice to give her or some way to fix it. Mm -hmm. This this completely turns that on its head, Mm -hmm. right? It if I'm intending to reflect back to her and really understand her, then it allows me to really get out of my head and be more present yeah. and for Adi to feel much more understood. Yeah. I mean, I don't know if this is just me and not you, but sometimes I'm also being judgmental where it's not oh, a you're way more judgmental. <laughs> but I mean, it's someone's sharing something and in my head, it's like, Oh my gosh, or I'm having some type of judgment about it. And if you're listening with the intent to reflect, then it puts me more in their emotions and I think oh man that must have been really scary versus I can't believe that you did that some type of judgment like that um so I really like that one next when people are sharing something with you be really patient with them allow them the time to really feel their feelings fight the urge to rescue them from from those feelings. Mm-hmm. It is set, it, it is an essential part of our healing process or our process of getting through stuff to really feel our emotions fully. So if a D is sharing something with me that is really hard for her, my gut instinct is to want to fix it. I feel so connected to her that when she's angry or really sad, I feel those feelings really intensely. So what I usually want to do is rescue her from those and try to fix it as quickly as possible. Yeah, Cause it kind of rescues you. It, Cause it rescues me. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. And 
what I've learned is that by allowing you to just have your own experience and a lot of times like be much more quiet and ask questions rather than give advice, you get through things way faster. Mm -hmm. I think this one's a really hard one for me in particular because silence makes me uncomfortable and I just want to know what the other person's thinking, which sometimes requires them to say it out loud. And so I want to ask questions or I want to, you know, get that auditory feedback that everything's okay. And sometimes silence is actually the safer option instead of just saying something that's stupid just to fill the air. Uh, Yeah, it's uncomfortable, but it's actually okay sometimes. And you do a good job of just like sitting and waiting. And sometimes I'm like, what are you thinking? Hello? Are you there? (laughs) Uh, And then I think the last thing that we could mention is about the whole advice thing. So in these conversations, you're being a safe place. Someone's confiding in you. You probably have a lot of advice that you want to share because like Michael said, you want to rescue this person. Unless they explicitly ask you for advice, I would probably err on the side of not giving advice. And then if you really do feel compelled, you can ask them like, hey, can I give you some advice? Um, Usually most people aren't going to say no to that because it takes some courage to say no. Um, Instead of that, you could say- And people aren't courageous, so- Some people are not. It's hard. I'm not courageous. Sometimes I'll say yes, and I really don't want to hear your feedback, actually. Um, And I think another way that that is a little bit easier is I just want to make sure that I'm showing up like the best way possible. Are you looking for me to just listen to you, or are you looking for- um, some feedback or advice, and I'm totally okay with either. Mm-hmm. Uh, just to be clear, even maybe before they share. So, like before you share, I just want to know, you know, which hat can, should I have on? Mm-hmm. And sometimes that's a little bit easier for them. So let's go over those one more time. So, to become a safer place for others, share your own vulnerability with them first. Ask them how about things deeper than surface levels. And then when people do come to you, acknowledge and appreciate them for the courage that it took to actually say whatever they said to you. Listen intently with the intent to understand. You can (laughs) reflect back to them what you heard them say. You can be patient with them and allow them to feel their feelings. And either wait to be, wait, for them to ask you to give advice, or if you really feel strongly that they could benefit from something, then ask if they're open to feedback. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and if you do this, then you're gonna have much deeper relationships. You're gonna start having richer and more interesting conversations, and people are gonna confide in you, and you, you know, it could lead to you feeling more comfortable in your own skin because you're sharing yourself and you're being accepted for it as well as you're now this person that other people are sharing themselves with, which increases your own confidence. So selfishly be a safe person for somebody. <laughs> um, yeah, and every single person is looking to belong. Mm-hmm. And to have a deep sense of community and to be seen and uh, for others to show up for them. That's like, I think it's what everybody wants. And this 
is the foundation to make that happen because this is how you get past where it just is easy, mm-hmm. where it's just fun and exciting and you have this new relationship where, you know, we're just getting to know each other and it's kind of like when you just are dating somebody and you don't notice all their craziness. Once you get to the place where you're like, oh, there's a little bit of craziness in there, like we all have, um, this is the foundation of how to really belong. Or if you have a very old relationship that has just always been surface level and you want to make it deeper. Do it. Do it. Have a great day. Thanks for joining us. Stay in touch by signing up for our newsletter at workingagainstgravity.com or on Instagram at workingagainstgravity. And don't forget to subscribe to us on iTunes, leave us a five-star review, and refer a friend. We'll be back next week with another episode. Talk to you then.